Well, the interesting thing about stone money is that's how I first got interested uh, in YAP. I mean, like when I was 10 years old or something like that. I read about it in the Thor Heyerdahl book or whatever it was. But what was, what was amazing is they've used this stone money as their currency for hundreds uh, of years. And you can sit there and go, well, why is it worth anything? Well, it, it's worth something because they decided uh, that, it is, that it is worth something and it means something to them within their culture. The parallel would be if we look at, let's say, a $1 bill and a $50 bill. Well, they're pieces of paper, but we've decided that they're worth something. And, and as a society, we've, we've accepted that. And that's the same thing uh, with the stone money in Yap. It is still used today, even though the regular currency now is, is the U.S. dollar. But it's really valuable stuff, and it's used for things like uh, dowries if they're getting married. Uh, maybe you're selling a business, selling a house, big, big purchases. So it's amazing that it, it still has a place in YAP culture today. Well, YAP was the first uh, place, country, to give manta rays protected status. The same way here at the aquarium, we talk a lot of times about how Palau, uh, where our exhibit is modeled after, gave sharks protected status. Yap's the same way about manta rays. And they've been cataloging the manta rays for a number of years now. I think the latest count is something like 90 or 100 individual manta rays that they've been able to identify through the body markings and stuff like that. So obviously what they've seen through this kind of protection is that the rays are able to not only live safely within the, the Yappy's waters, but they can reproduce. We do find that there are juvenile manta rays that we see in the mangroves and stuff like that. And, and it, they are protected from overfishing, because again, you know, overfishing in, in a lot of areas of the Pacific is really a big, big problem. And some countries have targeted manta rays. So by giving them a very safe uh, place to be, it protects, not only protects them, but it increases the overall uh, variety and diversity of the reef, and that's going to be good in the long run. Well, the mandarin fish in Yap are really, really cool. And by the way, we do have mandarin fish uh, here at the Aquarium of the Pacific, so you can come and see them as well. They're a type of dragonette. They're very small. They're maybe the size of my index finger. And they're on every diver's must-see list. And the first time I went to Yap, I happened to be talking to their photo pro, who very casually mentions, he says, oh, by the way, I've got some video of mandarin fish mating. Would you like to see it? Sure. And we look at this very cool video, and he goes, well, you know, they, they do it right over there. And he points to a reef that's maybe five minutes away, and they do it every night. And that was one of the first times that at least I realized that this is a nightly ritual they go through right around dusk, sundown. The mandarin fish come out and they start going through these specific corals and they're just nibbling on the polyps and the females and the males are going around and as time wears on they eventually start taking an interest in each other and uh, it's always up to the female to sort of choose the male and if if and when they do what what happens is they they go together they rise up off the reef which makes them really vulnerable when you get down to it and then they just go like that and you see a little poof of white which is the eggs uh, and the sperm and by doing that every single night, this whole thing takes about 90 minutes or something like that. By doing this every single night, they increase the, the chances of those eggs and, and uh, getting fertilized and hatching new generations of mandarin fish to continue the nightly ritual. Well, one of the things that, that uh, we, we do in Yap and through Mandaray Bay, which is the place where I always, uh, always stay, is there is a shark feed every week. And shark feeding is controversial because the big question is, does this really change the natural behavior of the sharks. Uh, in Yap, it's done once a week and not necessarily every week. Um, and my opinion is that it does not. The sharks certainly don't seem, if you go down and dive the same spot at a different time in the week when uh, 
you know, we're not doing a feed. It's not like the sharks are coming up to you and going, well, don't you look tasty? Um, so it, but, but again, it is a controversial thing. The nice thing about this feed is it really does give you a chance to, to take a look at the way shark hierarchy is structured. There really is a pecking order in terms of the big guys are coming in and then the medium guys and little guys are coming in at the end, uh, as well as it acclimates, you know, the other argument would be it acclimates the sharks to having divers around so they know, you know, they're not necessarily associating with food, they're just saying, hey, they're in, they're in the area, it's no big deal. But again, it's a controversial thing. Not everybody, you know, agrees with that opinion. But all I can tell you is in Yap, it seems to be working and it really, from a photographic standpoint, produces some really interesting images.